everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here to listen to our fifth episode of the Syllabus for Overcoming Stigma podcast, or SOS. This episode will be a bit different as we will be hearing from two master's level students who work at Wolverine Wellness, an organization run through University Health Services here at University of Michigan. This will be an engaging discussion about college student mental health stigma, as well as a deeper dive on resources that might be available to you if you're a college student in Ann Arbor. And if anything discussed today makes you think that it might be beneficial to seek treatment for your mental health, I encourage um, you to seek out treatment as well as additional resources, which can be accessed on our podcast website in the notes section of this podcast and at the end of the podcast recording. So just as a reminder, my disclaimer, I'm Hannah. I'm a graduate student in psychology at the University of Michigan. However, the goal of this podcast is not to provide therapy or diagnose mental illness in any podcast guest or podcast listener. And information shared on the show is not a replacement for diagnosis, professional advice, or treatment. So today, I'm super excited. I'll be talking with Timberly and Emma, representatives from uh, Wolverine Wellness at the University of Michigan. So thank you both so much for being here today. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you both. Um, would you mind starting by introducing um, yourselves, perhaps uh, your role also at Wolverine Wellness, and anything else you'd like to share? Sure. Uh, you want to go? Sure. I can go first. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> My name is Emma. Um, I'm a second-year dual master's student in the School of Public Health and the School of Social Work. So in public health, I'm studying health behavior and health education, and then I'm an interpersonal practice, um, I guess, pathway yeah. in the School of Social Work. So um, on top of that, I also wear other hats, many hats. Um, I work at Wolverine Wellness as an intern and wellness coach, and then for my field placement in social work, I'm currently placed at a private practice working with adolescents uh, there. So, yeah, that's me. Awesome. All right. How do I follow that up? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I am Timberly Whitus. I'm a second year MPH student at the School of Public Health, currently studying health behavior and health education. Um, kind of echoing what Emma said here. I, I work at Wolverine Wellness as a program assistant, um, and I also currently work as like a project developer um, for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and another um, CQI here in Ann Arbor, just kind of looking at um, sociodemographics at um, hospitals across the state of Michigan. So, yeah, that's a little bit of me and my work. Very cool. Well, it's nice to meet you both. Um, and would you mind elaborating a little bit more on what is Wolverine Wellness for our listeners? So who do you see there and what services do y'all provide? Yeah. Um, go for it? Yeah, yeah. So I see Wolverine Wellness um, kind of what we've been talking about as like a public health resource hub. Um, to me, we see a students across a wide variety of spectrums and identities. Um, we offer a lot of services such as like wellness coaching. Um, we have a therapy dog program. We have our student engagement and academic partnerships team in which um, we put on programs and presentations, um, workshops and trainings for like students, staff, faculty. Um, am I, what am I missing here? I think you pretty much got it all. I know there's also the like harm reduction team, which yes. works with the community to do harm reduction about uh, around kind of big events like football games about like um, drinking harm reduction, things like that. But yeah, it's it's kind of a pretty broad office. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's focused mostly, if only, on college students here at the University of Michigan? College and graduate students, okay, yeah. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, very cool. And hopefully we'll get into a, a little bit more of an elaborate um, discussion throughout, but is there anything right off the bat that you hope to communicate to listeners about Wolverine Wellness? Hmm. 
That's a good question. I think one I would be, I would say, um, is we're our office for the people. We're here for you. We're here to service you. Um, and if we can't service you, we can help to connect you with someone who can. Um, and that's like the main point I really want to get across. Yeah, okay. that's exactly what I was thinking too. I think there's so many resources on this campus right. that it can be <laughs> overwhelming. And something they always, you know, have us communicate to students is that there's no wrong place to ask for help. Uh, if you need something or right. you want assistance with something, go anywhere like Wolverine Wellness. You can go to CAPS and they'll direct you to where you need to be. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay, awesome. So, you know, as this podcast focuses on stigma, I thought we'd <laughs> jump right into the discussion of stigma. But what kind of mental illness stigma do you observe in your roles uh, at Wolverine Wellness? And how does this stigma or how do you think this stigma might affect your clients? I see a lot of clients in wellness coaching who are kind of feeling like they're alone in their experiences of like feeling overwhelmed, feeling stress, having anxiety, um, navigating those things. Right. So I think something that I see most often is, um, you know, this perception that everyone else is doing great and I'm mm -hmm. the only one who's mm -hmm. struggling. Um, yeah, I think that comes up so often in my wellness coaching clients. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely um, agree with that. I think in a lot of the presentations that we've done, too, I've noticed, yeah, one, students um, feel like maybe they're the only ones who are dealing with this situation. And then, two, um, kind of not knowing who to talk to or where to start um, with this, right? A lot of times we've talked to students and they, maybe they've been feeling away and they don't really know how to put words to it or how to identify it or if they should talk to someone or who. Um, but also another barrier to care I've, I've learned is just like um, – kind of understanding that the the first person that you might talk to might not be the one for you and understanding that. And I think um, that's been a difficult challenge for students because we have limited capacity, et cetera, mm -hmm. all these things. Mm -hmm. And so um, with having to go and see someone, you're like, maybe that person's not for me. And then I have to go find someone else. <laughs> right. um, get on so another yeah. waiting list. Yeah, get on another waiting <laughs> list. Um, so that's a, those are some things that I see like really overlapping with um, our students and our clients that we really help. Yeah. And so maybe this is a nice segue into my next question. But I was wondering kind of when you see people eventually, what is their like what has made them decide to seek out treatment? And as part of that, what barriers do you observe that you think um, keep students from seeking treatment even in the first place? And how might we overcome these barriers? Yeah, I'm thinking from the perspective of wellness coaching again that um, I always start out every session asking the student, like, what brought you to wellness coaching, yeah. you know, <laughs> and um, oftentimes it's, you know, first of all, on a practical level, just some kind of like personal reference, like being directed here from somewhere else right. or from a friend, um, but also to some extent, like things becoming hard enough in their life mm -hmm. or kind of reaching a certain point where they aren't able to sort of muscle through it alone right. um, and just needing someone to be a sounding board or to help problem solve um, and just being like, you know, I can't really do this on my own anymore. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think it comes to a point where students are like, something is wrong. Um, let me just, let me start here. You know, yeah. sometimes just let me try here. Let me see how this goes. Um, even in like a lot of, we do a lot of presentations, like I said, for, for campus. Um, and so even in those presentations, a lot of times it's like students are understanding that they're, um, having difficult times with certain things, maybe it'd be imposter syndrome or perfectionism or just mental health in general and wellness. Um, 
And so for that, it's more so of like, I, I, I understand this. Can you come up, come in and help us like conceptualize this kind of help us think about what this is, how to put more words to it. Um, mm. And then offer like realistic, like solutions to really work through these or something to really work through. And that's why I really value wellness coaching too. Cause I feel like, um, students really leave wellness coaching with something to try and that's mm. so beneficial that's so powerful to be like you know what? I went and talked about this and I have this solution let me go try it because a lot of times yeah um, people are like when we say this a lot in presentations self-care is not always like oh go take that nap or go right. do this and so yeah sometimes it's doing the hard stuff or working through things or sometimes you need someone to sit and collaborate with and think about how to think through things um, and so yeah that's what I've noticed and I super I really value wellness coaching for that so yeah. shout out to all the wellness coaches <laughs> I think the similar thing happens in presentations though too right like yeah. people coming away with some kind of concrete strategy to yeah. try out um, yeah. yeah I think a lot of times when we talk about like mental health and self-care it can feel very vague and so mm, students sometimes sure. crave like what's something I can actually try yeah yeah like in the next week. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. people are busy. It's almost easier when you have a, a clear next step. What mm -hmm. goes on just out of my own curiosity in a kind of wellness coaching session? And yeah. is it a series of sessions or like once a month or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I can speak to that. I think it depends on the student. Okay. Um, but typically it's a one hour session with um, it's like one on one with the student and the wellness coach. Wellness coaches are trained in motivational interviewing. Cool. Um, so really kind of strengths-based, um, very much focused on, you know, motivating people, problem solving. Um, and it can be up to like three or four sessions, but typically in my experience, I've mostly seen people for one or two. Mm, okay. It's very brief. Um, and there are many different categories of wellness coaching appointments that students will seek. So um, I will do the general ones, which can kind of be any topic. I also focus on relationships and sexual health coaching. Yeah. Um, but then there are also coaches who focus on sleep or academic stress okay. or alcohol and other drugs. Um, so it can it can mean many things. And typically, yeah, students do leave with um, a couple things they can try. That's wonderful. That's really cool to hear. And then do people usually um, then go meet with a therapist or a psychiatrist or usually it's kind of like a good transition to work through a specific problem? Yeah, it, it really depends. Okay. I think that um, sometimes when students are feeling like they can't get everything they need out of just a wellness right. coaching session or two, we will refer out to a therapist. Okay, cool. And at the same time, I think wellness coaching is a cool option for students who maybe don't need lo longer term right. therapy um, and have sort of a an adjustment to make or totally. certain <laughs> things just that you know, the need to change in the next couple months. Yeah, that's yeah. an amazing resource. That's very cool. <laughs> um, okay, and what would you say to somebody who might be on the fence about seeking help, support, treatment, <laughs> any of the things that you guys offer? Um, I guess one I would say, like, if you've considered it, um, think about why you've considered it and kind of, I would encourage you to lean into it. Um, lean into why you've considered it, lean it just like 100% lean into it. Um, I think a lot of times, like when we were thinking about if we we're going to seek help or like seek care or treatment or how to reach out to someone, um, if you reach to a point to consider it, it's like, okay, maybe I should. Um, and so that's why I would, I would push someone to like lean into that because I think, um, what we don't, always know it's just that someone else is gonna feel this way someone else I, and I tell students this all the time in presentations like if you're in an environment where you feel like conditions are difficult um and you say something like chances are at least one person is going to say that they felt that way or that they currently do feel that way yeah. um so kind of just knowing that you're not alone in this and that 
um, these spaces are meant for you to be brave spaces and safe spaces to which you can come and you can you you can be honest about it. You can be honest about what you're going through. You can be your most authentic self. Um, so I would really encourage students to just try to um, lean into it, just like let go and lean into that consideration. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Totally spot on. And I think I would add to that, like a lot of students feel like asking for help means that they're weak. It's like a weakness. Right. And I've really been working hard to reframe that with people as you know, like asking for help can be one of your greatest, greatest strengths and greatest assets. Like if you look at the most, you know, successful people or the people who you find like inspiring or healthy, like they didn't get there alone, right? Like we all lean on our community. We all lean on help to get there. Um, And so I think, yeah, that can sometimes be a surprising way of thinking about it for people. And I think it's totally true. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. Awesome. And yeah, I guess so. Uh, maybe this is along the same lines, but um, you know, this podcast is really targeting adolescents, undergraduates, graduate students as well. Um, but what do you wish, maybe from your own experiences, that an undergrad currently st- struggling with their mental health? What do you wish you could tell them, or what do you wish that they could know? I think one big thing is just that like adolescents and undergrads are in a very, um, excuse me, it's a big transition in life. Yes. Like this is an age where you're kind of becoming independent in new ways. You are learning your place in the world in new ways. And that kind of transition can be very disruptive while also being exciting. Um, And so I guess just like validating and normalizing the experience of struggling with mental health in new ways because it's new territory for a lot of us. Yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I think because it's a transition period, um, kind of reinforcing the idea that it's okay to not be okay. Um, and like I said, that we we attend a large institution, and so <laughs> there is likely one other person that That's at least true. feels like you. Like you, I mean, I've even met like staff members, faculty, professors who have said like, you know what, I'm stressed. We need no class today. Um, <laughs> so I mean, even and and people have been shocked by that, and so it shows mm-hmm. that just. I mean, these people, they're, we're all people, we're all humans and like no one's above anything. Um, and I think like that really should, that really echoes with that. And, and just knowing like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like there are any specific challenges? You mentioned Emma, the transition aspect of it, which I think is certainly true. And certainly that's a large challenge. Um, do you feel like there are any other specific challenges that college students face in regards to mental health? Um, I would say like, I think, um, I just thought of like the UN model of wellness, like the, that's the first thing I thought of, um, in the eight dimensions of, of health or wellness, sorry. Um, and I think one big thing too, for in this transition period could be like social and environmental wellness, right? I think those are, um, two of the biggest things you're in a new environment. Um, you're being exposed to all these new things, new people, new ideas, new cultures, new beliefs, behaviors, Um, And so thinking about one, how to find your place and really fit, uh, not really fit in, but fit in for what's best for you Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of like, yeah, set your place here. I think that can be a difficulty Um, and kind of like really figuring out. I feel like students really figure out have to or are considering or really think that they have to figure out who they are. (laughs) That's Um, true. Yeah. 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 It's it's like and I'm I'm guilty. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I think like there's this idea of like. I need to have my life together by tomorrow. Um, and that idea itself is really um, something that I think we really need to break down um, as a society, as a campus, um, as like mental health advocates also. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It feels yeah. like maybe 
obviously there's this big um, finding your own identity aspect that occurs during this time. And also it does feel like in the midst of one transition to college, a lot of college students are faced with thinking about their next transition yeah. out of college and yeah. what that means in transitioning to adulthood. So I think yeah. that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Looking at like older adults in our life, we can like assume like, okay, at some point they had it all together. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. Like anyone who looks like they have it all together is just really good at hiding that they're yeah. not. And yeah, I, I think it's just like, you know, in college, you're you're faced with like having to learn new skills that you haven't had to learn before. Mm-hmm. Like no one really teaches us how to communicate. No one teaches us how to set boundaries or mm-hmm. like set goals that are healthy for us. So it's you're kind of thrown in the deep end and left. Sometimes it feels like you're left to your own devices really mm-hmm. to figure it out. Um, yeah. 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 I agree with that. Do you have any thoughts maybe from that wellness model maybe that you were talking about, yeah. Timberly, of ways that we could maybe more holistically approach improving mental health in this population? Even just like, I don't know if you have recommendations for like sleep or other, you know, yeah. just general self-care behaviors. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a lot. <laughs> we can recommend. There's a lot. Um, but I think like some of the common things that we've seen, especially this past year, yeah. um, have been like boundaries and so knowing that um no is a full sentence like period i don't think images <laughs> really did like a video that. on that yeah. lol um so yeah so knowing that no is a full sentence um setting those boundaries for yourself just knowing and a lot of this is easier said than done mm-hmm. right being able to be like um oh yeah i'm gonna do this or oh i'm not gonna do that because sometimes we don't even notice we've we've crossed our boundaries that we've set so knowing that no is a full sentence um, something else is that we've really been honing in on is just like extending grace and like compassion yep. to yourself and to others. All right. Um, and this is both on, and, and this is on both ends of relationship, right? So shout out to all my professors out there. If you're listening, <laughs> listen, extending grace, um, for students, for faculty, for staff, for whoever it is. Um, I think that's really important, especially with the time we're in now, like we're in a pandemic, the times are ever so changing. And so, um, knowing that and really m- making sure you're like mining to that, but, um, one thing I would suggest is thinking about um, being how you can be proactive and reactive in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. So being proactive, by saying that, I mean, like, um, I would suggest, like, journaling, like, okay, what is one thing I can do this week to make me happy? Or mm-hmm. what is one thing I can do this week to maintain my wellness or to get sleep, right? Um, to me, that's like, okay, you're trying to be preventative. You're setting yourself up ahead of the time. Um, and then that's followed up by boundary setting with, like, making sure that you follow through with that, Um and then also being reactive in the moment. And why, when I say reactive, I mean like, okay, if I'm not feeling well in this moment, if I'm feeling anxious or depressed in the moment, like what can I do for myself right now that's really going to help me? Um, and really thinking through that about what um, what support you need in that moment. And then also that's also followed by boundaries and like following up and making sure that you're following through with that so that you can like really um, obtain that optimal health outcome there. Um, so those are some things like I would suggest like considering – um, we also talk about like journaling a lot and like gratitude and extending that to yourself and others and just thinking about um, a lot of it is thinking about like the ways in which you really can just take care of yourself um, mm-hmm. intentionally. So uh, those are just some things that we usually like throw around um, at our office. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that proactive versus reactive framing. And I sometimes forget that. <laughs> I think it's so important. Like I think a lot of times when we talk about self-care or like taking care of ourselves it's in that sort of reactive way Mm -hmm. of like 
I'm already feeling bad. Like I see. I need yeah. to take a bath. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's like a combination of both. Like knowing yourself well enough and setting those boundaries ahead of time, and then if things don't go as planned, like then also having those reactive skills. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to like double down on that. <laughs> I love that framing. Yeah. No, that was helpful too for me and perhaps for our listeners too to also kind of elaborate on what that difference is. It took me a second, um, but that makes sense, right? So like planning out is what you're saying, Timberly. Yeah. 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 Like thinking about preventative actions rather than oh, I'm already here. You know, what can I do? Um, and I think a lot of times, I've noticed that students might, you know, if they're feeling okay in the moment or feeling well. Um, you still have to take care of yourself, though. You still have to take care of yourself to maintain that. Right. And so that's what falls by the wayside. It's like, you're not taking care of yourself, but to be proactive in that moment, yeah, you need to think like, okay, what are the things I can do to sustain this feeling? Okay. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Emma? No pressure. Well, I guess I'm just thinking of like, I don't know. I think there's also something to be said about, you know, because these sort of widespread feelings of stress and anxiety and depression and, and trouble with sleep and all of this, like, I think it is partially reflective of just the larger, like, university culture. Um, there is sort of this high-pressure environment, and, um, you know, University of Michigan is this high-achieving school, and so I think there is a culture that kind of perpetuates these things a lot of the time for students, and, like, you know, you know, we can teach students all of these skills and all of that, um, and at the same time, like, sometimes it's genuinely just coming from, like, all the classes, all the pressure, the internships, um, and so... I don't know. I almost see it like in the long term, I would love to see some kind of cultural shift in how universities handle these things. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. This might be a hard question because you guys probably had started working at and with Wolverine Wellness right around the time of the pandemic, if I had to guess. But have you noticed like any differences in the presentation of people who come in to use Wolverine Wellness services or how you've had to perhaps switch gears in your coaching roles? Well, I started about a year ago. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, May 2021. Okay. Um, so that was right after the vaccine had come out. Um, nice. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, things have changed a bit since then because things are increasingly more in person. And mm-hmm. I think coming out of the more quarantined pandemic, um, a lot of what we're seeing is people not really knowing how to talk to people anymore mm-hmm, right. in, like in yeah. physical spaces and having a lot of social anxiety around that. Um, and then kind of like we were talking about before with the pandemic, it's really hard to keep time boundaries and space boundaries. Mm-hmm. If, you know, your room is mm. your workspace, your social mm-hmm. space, your point. sleeping place. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been seeing a lot of um, kind of navigating new relationships and trying to set new boundaries in the sort of coming out of the pandemic mm-hmm. time that we're in. Yeah, yeah. I've also been seeing a lot of burnout as a result of that. It's like people are coming out and they're like, okay, we're back in person. (laughs) And so people feel like the need to probably join like all these organizations Mm, or how do I like get in with this group or how do I talk to these people? Um, Because, yeah, we've spent a a long time in our bedrooms. So, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of burnout as a as a result of a lot of that, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those are good things to mention. My next question was going to just be to ask about your own kind of experiences of, with mental illness stigma, either in the way that you've kind of observed it maybe in your own lives as a clinician, as a you know individual. We all kind of have experiences with mental health. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys had any things to add there. Yeah, I, my, I feel like I could speak probably for like 20 minutes on this, yeah, but okay. I'll keep it brief. <laughs> no, Absolutely. <that's> <laughs> 
Um, I am from Silicon Valley in oh, California, okay. um, in like a city that was very high pressure. And so in high school, like I was just surrounded by people who were sort of very competitive, mm-hmm. dealing with depression and anxiety behind the scenes. Um, and my city sort of had this um, like high prevalence of suicide among mm-hmm. teens. Um, and for years I've been trying to figure out exactly why that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that definitely the high pressuring environment had a lot to do with mm-hmm. that, but it's also a very privileged city. Um, you know, it has a lot of opportunity. It's a very supportive environment at the same time. Right. So that is sort of where my interest in mental health and wellness yeah. first came cool. from. Mm-hmm. Um, I went here for undergrad as okay. well. So yeah. I was working with CAPS and some other organizations. I studied psychology um, to kind of just like get a solid footing in these topics. And then, yeah, now in social work school and in uh, public health school, it's still a topic that I've been trying to work with more. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have struggled with my own mental health, yeah. like many of us. And I think college is when I first started to mm-hmm. sort of gain those skills and and make more of an intentional effort to take care of myself. But it's definitely a lifelong process. Yeah. <laughs> um and so I guess if that's helpful for listeners, like even those those of us who are working in mental health, like we right. are, we're working on these things with our own lives too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that would be helpful for listeners. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so my experience with like mental health and stigma is kind of a bit different. Um, so I'm from Detroit. Um, shout out to Detroit. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I think my first experience um, so mental health in my family um, is not, you all can't see me, but I am a black woman. Um, so, yeah, so mental health in my family um, was never really discussed, um, nor in my high school. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I really understood what wellness was or what mental health was. Um, but I do think, like, looking back kind of with the definitions and, like, the understanding that I have now is, like, yeah, you had perfectionism or, oh, yeah, you had imposter syndrome here or, yeah, students here might have been struggling in this area. Um which is really beneficial because my high school asked me to come back and give like a, oh. a presentation. And so I was able to kind of like That's hit awesome. on some of that. Yeah. So I was able to hit on some of that. Um, but my, my first experience with it came from someone um, in my family who struggled with their mental health. Um, but the way in which it was discussed um, was not something that was really an opportunity to learn. Um, it was more so like this person is sick. This person is crazy. Um, mm. And that's, that's what it was. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um for me, I think like I really started to learn about wellness and mental health and well-being when I got to college and undergrad and I started struggling with my own mental health and kind of um, struggling about like where to go get help, mm-hmm. um, how to put words to things like that's something I really struggle with mm-hmm. is not being able to identify um, what I was feeling, why I was feeling it or um, also experiencing like frustration with people being like, oh, well, why is why do you feel this way? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know why I feel this way. <laughs> um, so I definitely I, I definitely want to echo what Emma says, like for anyone who might be listening is like, yeah, we're everyone is going through. It's been a, it's been a long process um, and I'm very transparent about my journey. I've been in therapy, I think now for like over six years on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's been really beneficial. It's not it's not an overnight change. Um, and what I've what I've learned is that um, I have to focus on what I can control because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm someone who's like, oh, that happened. Like everything's falling apart. And it's like, no. Um, and this is something we also, we talk about with like students, um, it's just like focusing on those spheres of control. What can you influence and what can you control? Mm -hmm. Because there are some things that you can't. And so being able to realize when I've gotten to that point, um, has really become beneficial for me Mm. in this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing that. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so maybe along those lines, you both kind of were speaking to the cultural environments that you were raised in and kind of how that has shaped you now and maybe shaped your journey to go into this kind of career. How do you feel like maybe in whatever way you define culture, but how do you feel like culture impacts the experience of mental illness in students or, you know, you could speak more about your own lives, but from what you have observed in your clients? Yeah, I think it's kind of impossible to talk about mental illness without culture sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um like i think that they Culturally bound. <laughs> absolutely like inform each other would not exist without each other um and yeah i guess like again going back to wellness coaching like i think this is something that comes up a lot like um i've worked with international students who you know feel like they can't talk about you know being fired from their job with their parents mm-hmm. like that's just not a possibility mm-hmm. even though they really need that support or um i've talked with students who you know, didn't even consider the things that they were um, experiencing, like, as, like, bad enough, quote, Mm -hmm. unquote, Mm -hmm. to, like, go seek help in the first place um, because of the way that they were raised. And so it's sort of inseparable and just as it's sort of, like, I I almost, like, want to say that it's individual, but it's not. It's sort of just that all of us bring our own cultural backgrounds and our own experiences um, to the present. And mm-hmm. yeah, just what we've experienced absolutely informs how we understand what we're experiencing mm-hmm. how and what other people are experiencing, which also can contribute to stigma too. Right, yeah. right. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I think culture has like, what I've noticed is it shapes a lot of our beliefs and behaviors. And I think um, it is almost covertly like the reason in which like we act in a lot of ways that we do or a lot of things are like manifested in like our behaviors. And so I, I agree with that. Um, wholeheartedly yeah mm-hmm. you hit it on the hit <laughs> this is a hard question but do you feel like there are any specific ways that you address like cultural differences or c- different cultural experiences and how maybe that perpetuates stigma for that person or are there any specific ways that you work with people with in that regard um yeah i think one thing we do um is just bring like bring a highlight to it um is the first step right because yeah. Um, I just did a presentation and students were like, oh, I didn't know, like, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about my parents and how they influenced me. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm like that, I mean, parents alone, like, can just be such a huge thing in our lives, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think, like, the first thing is, one, bringing, like, identity to it or bringing, like, a voice to it or, like, putting a mm-hmm. highlight on it. Like, you know what? The culture is affecting um, mental health and it affects stigma and it affects wellness. Um, so, yeah, that'd probably be the first thing I would say I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like that. Yeah. Face it head on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, let's talk about it. Let's talk it through. Let's see. Um, I think like, and even in the workshop, like a lot of ways with students we're doing, we're just talking about like, um, like, yeah, the ways in which like they're, a lot of it was like parents. So like talking about the way, cause there was a younger group also, like a lot of the ways in which like they talked to their parents or, um, how they felt in the presence of, or, or how they talk, felt that they could speak to them about certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important to kind of just work through and think through, um, if you're able to do that, or if you're comfortable in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, yeah, like in both the workshops and in wellness coaching, I think we try to make it very student led and very client led. Mm-hmm. So in workshops, like we'll ask people to generate on sticky notes, like, yeah. you know, what's an example of a boundary you set recently mm-hmm. or, or like, what does communication look mm-hmm. like in your family? Like just, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that having it be generated by the students, yeah. um, you know, allows for, anyone's like experience of culture and like what they grew up with like to kind of come through Mm -hmm. um sometimes i'll ask students like you know how was mental health talked about in your family Mm -hmm. um just getting you know eliciting that through the student and letting that guide the next question or yeah 
I really like that. Yeah. Keep it open-ended. Yeah. <laughs> Questions. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of interesting what you said, Tim, really made me think about how, you know, obviously parents have such an impact on, you know, the experience in the lives of their children, um, or, you know, the larger family unit and dynamic as well. But college is also the time when you're being kind of pulled out of that also. So yeah. it's like you're navigating the intersection of independence with this kind of historical um, experience with your family. And so yeah. that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well. absolutely. Um, and I was going to say, too, I think another big thing is transparency, like um, when you can be transparent. And so um, I'm not a wellness coach, so I'm not sure. I don't think this can really happen in wellness coaching. But like in presentations, I try to be as transparent as I can about my own experiences. <laughs> Um, because what I've known is that, um, or what I've noticed is that like, um, vulnerability takes a lot of courage, right? And I think sometimes it's really hard to find that courage in ourselves, but it sometimes it's easier when you see someone who's doing it and then you see someone who's brought in to train or present to you. Um, and you're like, wait a minute, they said like, mm-hmm. oh, they, they deal with this like me too. Like, okay, maybe like I can share this with them. Um, yeah. and so that's something else I've, I've noticed is like transparency can really be mm-hmm. helpful. Um, if you can be in that moment. Yeah. 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 Like using our positions as leaders yeah. to model that. Yeah, yeah. 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 And being open about it. Um, mm-hmm. I think is really helpful because yeah, I, I've noticed that's a thing too. Like, yeah. I I don't know necessarily where to go get help or who to talk to, um, and or if I'm feeling like maybe I'm alone in this and hearing mm-hmm. that story from someone who I look up to or who I'm who I'm thinking is like someone who's who has it together and who can come in and tell me all these like solutions. And for you to say like, oh, you know what? I've struggled in the past, too. I'm I'm taking another look like, mm-hmm. oh, you know what? Maybe like we all go through this or mm-hmm. maybe this is normal. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think definitely what you what you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's really brave of you. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole goal of this podcast, right, is to be transparent about these things and with the goal of reducing stigma, because knowing that other people are going through the same thing as you and knowing that it's normal, (laughs) you know, a lot of people struggle with mental illness um, that can help to reduce the stigma around seeking treatment or even just telling others about your own experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this has been absolutely wonderful. Is there <laughs> anything else that you would like to mention, things that we didn't get to talk about, any parting words of wisdom? I think we covered a lot today. I'm trying to think of anything <laughs> that we didn't we didn't get to. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, hold on, let me see. I think I would say, like, come to wellness coaching. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you want to give, like, a plug. Yeah, to, like, yeah. I think that <laughs> we're working really hard to, like, you know, to reach students on campus, especially who maybe don't think that Wolverine Wellness is for them mm, or I students think, yeah. who maybe don't know about us. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's for everybody. Like, there are so many resources on campus, like I said, and, and Wolverine Wellness is a really great one to start with if yeah. people are curious or, yeah. um, you know, and if, if you're listening and wondering, like, is what I'm going through, like, quote unquote, bad enough <laughs> to seek help? Like, yeah, of course it is. Like, right. if it's bugging you, mm-hmm. come come talk to someone, you know, come talk to me. I'm, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> the real. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come come by the office. That is my my shameless plug here. Come by the office. <laughs> we're located on a ground floor UHS. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're a pretty open office. Come hang out. Come see someone. You know, if you're not looking too hot, someone will stop and ask you, hey, are you okay? <laughs> they will stop and check in with you. Um, and that's something I really value about our office office is that I know that in that space if if someone's like are you okay and I'm not I could be like Mm. no I'm Mm -hmm. not um and and they they're really helpful in that and so 
um, yeah, I just I encourage everyone if you're like I said, if you're considering like Emma said, like getting some help, um, do that. Just lean into it. Try it out. You don't have we're not saying commit like, you know, long term, but give it a try and see what works for you. Um, and like I said, for me, I've noticed that the journey has not been like it's not been linear at all. Um, I've started with therapists and I, I've been with a therapist for like three months and then I've had to switch and then I've been one for six months and I've had to switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and it's taken me that long to realize that they're not the person for mm-hmm. me. And it, it's very frustrating, but I think once you understand that it's, it's not a linear process, um, that'll, that'll make it much easier. So yeah, mm-hmm. check us, check us out. And should people physically go to your office or can they call to make an appointment? How does that work? Yeah, they can call. They can go online. They okay. can come into the office. All of the above. Okay, <laughs> check us yeah, out yeah. online. <laughs> I think we for our workshops and events, we try to publicize them on social media. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe the happenings at Michigan. Yeah, calendar. yeah. The okay. calendar and then our Instagram at Wolverine Wellness. Um, mm-hmm. you can find out like a lot of information there. Um, about what we're doing too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. You guys are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, thank you both so so much. I really am so grateful. Um for you taking the time to speak yeah, with us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, for educating our listeners. Um, and for our listeners, I hope that this was uh, helpful for you today, either in curating empathy for yourself or for others. And hopefully, um, if you're interested, now you know how to access Wolverine Wellness and these great ladies here. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you. Thanks for listening to our episode on Wolverine Wellness, a program here at the University of Michigan through the University Health Services. I wanted to share some other resources, like always. So we talked a little bit today about counseling and psychological services here on campus, or CAPS. We have the Eisenberg Family Depression Center, University Health Services themselves, the SSD office for students with disabilities, and also you can text the Heartline uh, for peer text support. And so this line number is 734-292-8006, and that's for University of Michigan students. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. The University of Michigan uh, Psychiatric Emergency Services phone line, which is also available 24-7, is 742-9. Three six five nine zero zero, and the Sexual Assault Prevention and Awareness Center. Uh, their twenty-four hour crisis line is seven three four nine three six three 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 three. So I hope you'll utilize the services at Wolverine Wellness if you think that they could be helpful for you. I'm going to post a lot of information um, from Timberly and Emma about their info, as well as just how to access Wolverine Wellnesses in the podcast uh, notes section. So be sure to check that as well. Thank you.